You are listening to the Speak Podcast. The podcast featuring talks from Speak, a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Welcome to the Speak Podcast, produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Speak is a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Each Speak Talk features three key moments. The moment of truth, the moment of transformation, and the moment of impact. We host pop-up events all over the world, and now we are bringing our talks to your device. Our speakers are stepping onto the stage and into the spotlight, and now onto this podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Speak Podcast, the podcast for people with ideas and stories. I'm George Andriopoulos, the architect and one of the co-leaders here at Speak. Today's episode focuses on the comeback. You know, each of our pop-up events has a theme, but our podcast episodes are a theme within a theme, which is lovely to look at when you hear these talks back in audio format and realize that there are so many sub-themes in all of these talks. But today, specifically, we are talking about the comeback, and we are featuring three incredible speakers from various pop-up events, Joe Ocasio, Nick Prefontaine, and Derek Peterson. So let's dive in. The first Speak Talk that we're featuring on today's episode is from speaker Joe Ocasio. Joe was such an interesting individual to meet. He came to me a while back, way before Speak started, because he wanted some advice on becoming a public speaker and sort of trying to measure what type of platform would be best for him. When he told me his story, I knew that there was something really, really special there, but I knew that it wasn't right for some of the existing platforms out there. When we conceptualized Speak and started to execute and build our first few events, I thought of Joe immediately and I knew that he would be a perfect fit for this. In fact, once Joe went through his first draft and he and I collaborated a little bit back and forth on the idea and the execution of it, we actually used Joe's talk as the example of the prototypical Speak talk when coaching the rest of the speakers in not only our first event Speak beginnings, but also a number of the subsequent events. So without any further ado, here is published speaker Joe Ocasio with Fat Kids, Body Slams, and Breakthroughs from Speak Beginnings from November 17, 2022 at stage 317. I'm a fat kid. Or at least I was one. Uh, From my early childhood, I developed an unhealthy relationship with food. uh, And I was bullied. And that only drove me to obsess over food even more. I soon realized that obsession was just gonna be part of my life as I found obsessions with new areas, specifically the world of entertainment. It started with movies. First, there was Mrs. Doubtfire, my mother can attest. (laughs) Then there was Men in Black, great flick. Yeah, then there was the Terminator. (laughs) But it wasn't until 1998 that I found my ultimate obsession controversial boxing legend Mike Tyson was scheduled to be a part of WWE WrestleMania 14. Now my parents weren't even wrestling fans, but even they had to see what was gonna happen. Uh, And this was such a pivotal time in my life. I swear, I still remember the way my old living room was set up 
because I so vividly remember watching WrestleMania. I mean, I was enamored by the over-the-top characters and the unbelievable athleticism. I felt like I was watching real-life superheroes. Names like Ken Shamrock, The Rock. Huh, everyone knows The Rock. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Kane, and The Undertaker had hit me so hard, I decided this fat, out of shape, unathletic seven-year-old boy was one day gonna wrestle for the WWE. Yeah, I was made fun of. No, it wasn't easy, but I had a dream. I was gonna wrestle for the WWE. So at 16 years old, I went to my first wrestling school, and I trained, and I trained, and I worked hard, and I went from being in good shape to being really muscular. I started to look and feel like my heroes. 20, 21, 22 years old, I start wrestling top independent wrestlers who are on TV today. 23, 24, 25 years old, I became a top independent wrestler. And finally, at 25, it looks like my obsession, my dream is about to pay off. There's a company named Evolve. They have a working relationship with the WWE and they needed a replacement last minute on their show. And I was that replacement. Uh, I was given four minutes, so I had a four minute match to impress everybody, the fans, the promoter, the wrestlers in the back, and a man by the name of William Regal, who was the WWE talent scout watching the show. And I nailed it. Thank you. Uh, everyone was happy, fans loved it, the wrestlers liked me, promoter was happy, William Regal, the scout, pulls me to the side, gives me feedback and says, very impressive young man. I email the WWE the next day about a tryout and they got back to me that same day. That never happens. There was a feeling of joy uh, that I cannot express into words when I received that email. They told me next month they'll bring me into a TV taping to assess me. So naturally, I'm pumped, I'm working hard, I'm in the ring three days later, I'm doing something called a clothesline, and all of a sudden, I hear a loud pop, and I feel something hit me in the back of the leg. It turns out that was my Achilles tendon snapping in half. Yeah. So I go to the doctor, and he tells me, listen, this is a potentially career-ending injury. Uh, if you do come back, it could take a year, possibly longer. Now, I'm stubborn and I'm obsessed, so I do some research and I see that top-level athletes can return in six months. So I decide that's exactly what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to PT five days a week, I'm gonna keep working out every day, nothing changes, I'm not gonna let my seven-year-old self down. So six months to the date of surgery, I go, I see my doctor, he looks up with a smile. You are cleared to return. Man, I felt great. I start making phone calls for my comeback matches. It seems like opportunities are not lost. Momentum was still there. I'm getting ready. I feel physically great. I'm doing a 450 pound deadlift a week before my return match and I come to the top and pop. This time it's my right bicep tendon. Six months to a year out. In that moment, I was so defeated. My soul was crushed. Despite the mental warfare and the hell I went through, I did come back. But now opportunities are gone. It's been a long time. Momentum is gone. It's been a long time. My heart was gone. Um, and things come to a head, though, in early 2018. That same company, Evolve, after two years, finally gives me another opportunity. 
last minute, and it's on a Sunday, and I had work on Sunday, and I called in every frickin' favor I could to get off of work, and I tell myself, okay, I'm gonna get to the building early, I'm gonna get ready, I'm not gonna waste this opportunity. So I did get to the building early. It was the wrong building. I was in Queens, not Brooklyn. I knew in that moment I should just go home because I knew it was a cardinal sin to be late and I knew it wasn't gonna go well. But I went and the match wasn't good. I was off, it was off, and I knew it. I also knew I would not be invited back. I was sick, I was angry, and I was mentally broken. I gave my whole life to this industry my whole life, and I felt like it was all for nothing. I remember as I drove home that night, uh, I just wanted to go home and be with my family. I started thinking deeply about the decisions I made because of this childhood obsession. I, I only got my associate's degree in college, and I was forced to even do that. I was still living with my parents, but I wasn't providing much help. I was working odd jobs to support my wrestling habit. Then this cause comes to me, right? Even if my love comes back for wrestling, what if I do have a career-ending injury? Then what do I do? I had this thought, maybe my childhood obsession is interfering with my real childhood promise to myself, and that was just to be happy. I started to think about my why. Well, why did I want to be a wrestler so bad? Well, is I wanted to be a superhero for the kids out there like me to show them that they could do it too. I did it because I wanted to help people. That was my passion. Uh, so then I started to think, well, maybe there's other areas of life that I could find happiness and that I could help people, that I could use my story as a vehicle to help them achieve their goals. And that's when I started my own fitness business. And I found that I could do that. I could use that story as a vehicle to help people. I can help people in a more interpersonal way to achieve their goals. I realized that maybe, just maybe, wrestling was just a vehicle for me to overcome childhood obesity, to take the road less traveled, and to change my life forever. Because that depressed, unhealthy, upset kid was never coming back. I had overcome that. I didn't need to be a professional wrestler anymore. And I was okay with that for the first time in my life. So of course, about a year after this decision, I've made peace. I get a phone call. It's my old tag team partner. He's like, hey bro, why don't we team up again? I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's like, come on, one, it'll be fun. Hmm. Okay, it does kind of sound kind of fun, you know. So, you know, we do one, one turns into two, Two turns into three, three turns, all of a sudden I'm wrestling every weekend again. But it's different this time, you see. I'm doing it not because I feel like I have to, I was doing it because I want to. Despite the obsession part, I did always just love professional wrestling. Uh, so here's the kicker. After this happens, he decides he doesn't want to wrestle anymore and I tear my left bicep tendon, ha! So here I am, I have a decision to make. If I'm gonna come back to wrestling again, I have to be a singles act. I have to press the reset button. So I go, okay, if I'm, I used a stage name for a long time. I'm like, all right, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be me, I'm gonna be Joe Ocasio. I'm gonna be a version of myself that includes my real life. I'm gonna be an influencer, a motivational speaker, 
with a twist. I'm secretly a villain manipulating everybody who supports me. Uh, and this was my full circle moment at 30 years old. I realized something. Uh, I had my own successful business. I had a beautiful fiance, I thank you. And I was doing what I love to do, not because I had to, because I wanted to. And it's amazing what happens when you find that kind of clarity. So yes, I'm still wrestling. Uh, I just got off a tour with a historic brand named the NWA. It's the oldest wrestling company in the world. Thank you. And I wrestled for All Elite Wrestling on TNT, which is a national brand. Thank you. And I've made peace with the fact that I have never accomplished that one childhood dream of working for the WWE. That is until tomorrow where I'll be a part of WWE SmackDown in Hartford, Connecticut for the first time. Thank you. That was Joe Ocasio with Fat Kid, Body Slam, and Breakthrough. Man, what an incredible talk. This is Fred P. Banning, the builder and co-leader at Speak. I can still remember like it was yesterday how electric the room was when Joe got off the stage and it just reminiscent of what it brings to mind it brings to bear how everything that we're pursuing is pursuing us but we first have to surrender and joe really exemplifies that when joe surrendered to his path everything that he was dreaming about actually got attracted into his life so joe's story is an incredible story joe thank you it was such a joy working with you Thank you for stepping onto the speak stage and for your talk being a real prototypical speak talk. As it was mentioned earlier, man, your talk was such a great fit. So thank you for bringing the energy. Thank you for the body slams and thank you for the breakthrough. Our next talk coming up is from Nick Prefontaine entitled Speed. Man, Nick talk, as you will soon hear, is indicative of resilience and comeback as it is the theme of today's episode. You know, Nick went through a whole lot, but he did not give up. And up to today, he's still moving at the speed of light. So here is Nick with his talk, Speed. What are you, an idiot? No way. You can't do that. What, are you kidding me? Has someone ever told you you can't. It was 2 p.m. on February 5th, 2003, ski club day, and we were heading to Wachusa Mountain. My friends and I had all brought our snowboard gear onto the bus to get ready so we wouldn't miss a precious moment once we got to the mountain. We got to the mountain and headed straight for the chairlift. On the ride up, it had been raining. We noticed that it was very icy. I buckled into my snowboard, took a breath of that crisp winter air, and confidently charged towards the biggest jump in the terrain park. Speed. Going up to the jump, I caught the edge of my snowboard on the snow going up the jump, which threw me off balance, and that's the last thing that I remember.
I was told that I landed on my head. I wasn't wearing a helmet. The doctors told my parents that I probably wouldn't walk, talk, or eat on my own ever again. I was in a coma for three weeks, and I really don't remember an entire month. After a month, I was transported to a rehab hospital in Boston. Coming out of my coma, I had a burning desire to run out of the hospital. But I couldn't. Coming out of my coma, I had a burning desire to speak. But I couldn't. I couldn't speak, so the way that I communicated was with eye contact. Only eye contact. Then it was blinking. That progressed to mouthing words, and that progressed to a whisper. Eventually, I was able to get my speaking voice back with the help of my speech therapist. The first thing I did was set the big goal of running out of the hospital. Everything fell into place after that. I shared it with all my family, therapists, and doctors. In order to be running out of the hospital, I had to be walking, talking, and functioning exactly like I was prior to my accident. Everyone knew my goal, so then it just became a matter of doing the work every day. Every day, whether I felt like it or not, getting up, and quite literally putting one foot in front of the other, doing what I could control. I would start my day off with a shower. Not unusual, but my occupational therapist would have to teach me how to shower again. Picture that. I would need the help from my therapist while I was in the shower at one of my most vulnerable moments. She would teach me what order I needed to do things in, that the water came before the soap, for instance. Then I would get dressed and have breakfast. After that, I started my morning therapy sessions. I started with physical therapy, then occupational therapy, and finally, my last session of the morning was speech therapy. As I regained my strength, I began mouthing words without any sound. That progressed to whispers and finally talking. Once I was able to talk, I had to continue to work with my speech therapist to regain the strength of the muscles in my throat. D-d-dog. C-c-cat. In my head, I was screaming, it's a dog and a cat, I know what that is. 
However, because of the accident, the words weren't coming out on the other side. Once I had set the goal, I had to make sure that I was being coachable to achieve it. Once you set your goal, are you being coachable to give yourself the best chance to achieve it? In my case, that was to the therapist. And for you, that can be your coaches, your mentors, or the experts. By setting goals and being coachable to achieve them, you give yourself the best chance of reaching them. Those are the building blocks of being successful. After speech therapy, I headed back to my room. And waiting for me that day was my grandparents, my mom's parents. Now, at this point, I still wasn't smiling or laughing or really being my old self. My grandfather had brought me in a gift that day, a gift to lighten up and to be my old self. It's something that we all point to that really aided me in my recovery. <laughs> that, that gift was a fart machine. As soon as they gave it to me, I put it to work. <laughs> At the time, I was in a wheelchair, and my grandparents wanted to take me to lunch. At the hospital, the cafeteria was in the basement. To get there, you took the elevator, and then you had to go down this long hallway. I can picture it now. My grandmother was pushing the wheelchair. And my grandfather and I thought it would be a great idea to stash the farm machine right in the wheelchair. <laughs> we waited until we passed by a doctor. <laughs> They couldn't believe it. They thought it was my grandmother. <laughs> As I'm sure you can imagine, the fire machine was a big hit with all of the kids back on the second floor unit. It allowed the chance for everyone to laugh and be a kid for a moment. Whether you're looking to become the number one person in your field or you're recovering from a life-threatening snowboarding accident, the same key lessons apply. Remain open and coachable to achieve your goals. Once you have that, you have to make sure that you're not taking yourself too seriously. Don't forget to laugh. It can be the best medicine. What are you, an idiot? No, you're a star. No way. Yes way. You can't do that. You can do that. What? Are you kidding me? What? You're the best. When someone tells you you can, listen. Oh, by the way, I did run out of the hospital.
Thank you. That was Nick Prefontaine with his talk Speed from Speak Beginnings, November 17th, 2022. Nick was so incredible to work with and the resiliency and comeback that you see in his story is indicative of why he was featured in today's episode as Fred had mentioned earlier. Nick was a lot of fun to work with and the talk was a little bit of a challenge for us because we don't allow for visual aids, but Nick actually brought an audible aid to his talk in the form of a sound machine that created a fart noise during the middle of his talk. It was a lot of fun to sort of map out and choreograph how that would work with Nick, and the end result really proved to be a big laugh for the audience, as you can hear in the talk. So we thank you, Nick, for everything that you brought to the table and everything you bring to this world in continuing your work to help people that were in situations like you were to grow and thrive and succeed. Our next talk comes from speaker Derek Peterson from Speak Freedom on July 13th, 2023 at Belmore Movies and Showplace. Talk about a comeback story. When Derek first came to us with this talk, we helped him sort of find the difference between a speak talk and a corporate talk. And in doing so, Derek unlocked such an incredible story. Now, Derek wasn't used to this type of talk. In fact, when we held one of our first virtual rehearsals, a couple of speakers went before Derek. And when it was his turn to go up in our virtual rehearsal, he was almost intimidated to a point where he was kind of like, how am I supposed to follow these incredible talks? And what happened in that moment when he came on high emotion, telling this story, not only brought himself to tears, but brought the rest of the room, the virtual room to tears. It was just such an incredible moment. And I remember saying to Derek right after he gave his talk in the rehearsal, do you still feel like you don't belong? And that is the power of the community that we built within this Speak platform. I'm going to let you hear for yourself. So without further ado, here is Derek Peterson with Am I Free? My mind is playing tricks on me. Am I free? I am free. I stand on the backs of those who have gone before me. I am a successful entrepreneur and businessman. I have dozens of patents in my name. And I have founded multiple companies. And I am currently the CEO of a company called Sauter Technologies. I invented and patented the world's first vaping and bullying detector. My devices are deployed globally in thousands of schools around the world. I'm often sought after for speaking about anti-vaping in schools. I've been on today, the Today Show multiple times, Good Morning America, MSNBC, CNN, Cheddar TV, and countless other national and local news broadcasts. Outside of me being a CEO slash nerd, I have a love for sports. I'm a big time sports enthusiast, and I love to compete at the highest level possible. But not only compete, I like to compete to win. There's virtually no sport that I don't think I can win in. And this drive that I, this fire in me comes from me growing up being the smallest kid in my high school. I was often picked on and bullied. Though it was not right, it gave me the resilience to stand here before you and continue to fight. I graduated high school 
at the whopping height of five foot one and 110 pounds. I was often sought after when it's time to stuff kids in lockers and give wedgies. I distinctly remember in being choked out after music class, being pinned with, my, with somebody's hand through my throat, lifting me off my feet, while others mocked me and laughed at me as I cried for help and mercy. In college, I drank my milk, and I grew a foot in a year by my sophomore year, and I was able to walk on and play basketball for Stony Brook University. Although the rigors of academic life, I could not continue to play basketball, so I retired at an early sophomore's junior year, and I went on to play intramural sports where I won many championships. In growing my company, I continued my athletic pursuits. I continued to play basketball, waiting for the New York Knicks to give me that call. But since they did not give me that call, I turned my endeavors into endurance sports, and I became a triathlete and a multi-time Ironman finisher. And for those who do not know what a triathlon is, it's where you have three events. In the case of an Ironman triathlon, you will actually swim 2.4 miles. You will then go ahead and bike 112 miles. Then after that, you finish a full marathon, 26.2 miles, totaling 140.6 miles in one day. Yes, pure joy, a lot of fun. And in doing so, again, I want to be the best I can be. I was looking to go to New Zealand with my family to race in the world championship with aspirations of turning pro. The year is 2020. And we know what happened in 2020. A little small virus happened, and it shut down my race. Well, it didn't only shut down my race, it shut down the world. And as the world started to reopen in 21 and going into 22, and in 21, I started to play more basketball again. The gyms opened back up, and I started playing. Not only was I playing, I was playing with men half my age in their 20s, thinking that this may be my opportunity that I can make it to the New York Knicks again. So therefore, I went out and bought a brand new pair of sneakers, these bright, shiny blue Kevin Durant sneakers, thinking that it's going to make me jump higher and run faster, just as when I was a little kid. Although I was playing at the highest level possible with basketball, I had a mishap happen to me. I tore a ligament in my thumb. And in my house, when we grow up, we were just told you tape it up. You only go to the doctor when you're sick or dying. So that since I wasn't dying, I taped it up and kept playing. Now the time is in April of 2022. My thumb looks like it's about to fall off. I said, well, it is time for me now to go to the doctor. Go see a hand surgeon. As I visited the hand surgeon, he gave me, I did an MRI, and he says, yep, you need surgery. And I'm like, when? He said, you need it now. He said, you're going to be out of commission for three months. And in my head, I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. I still have many, many more days of basketball to play. I'm not really to hang up. I'm not willing to hang up my sneakers just yet. The surgeon said, a nurse, <coughs> surgeon said, you need to have this immediately because we're not going to be able to find the ligament once it goes back and re repairs into your band. 
So I'll have my nursing staff call you tomorrow to schedule the surgery. The next day, the nursing staff did give me that call. And she said, I need to have the surgery in, in a couple of weeks, in the month of April. And I said, I, I pass. I'll do it in the summertime. The second I hang up the phone, the surgeon calls me. He says, what are you doing? You need to have the surgery immediately. I was like, Doc, I have no way of getting to the, to the hospital. I will send a limousine to you, he says. I do not have a primary care doctor. After all, you only go to the doctor when you're dying, so I was not dying, so I did not need one. He says, you can use my guy, Dr. Marion Kamet. I said, okay, I'll go see him. The next day, I go see Dr. Marion Kamath. Dr. Marion Kamath takes out his stethoscope, and he listens to my heart like all your doctors do. He says, breathe. I took in my deep breath. He takes the stethoscope, and he puts it on my back, and he says, breathe. And I breathe, and he says, one minute. He calls his partners in, and all these medical students come rushing in. And I like my attention, but even this was a bit much for me. Everybody had their stethoscope out and examining me. And finally, they all huddled together. I said, why are they huddling? Because then all of a sudden, I said, we think you have a problem with your heart. I said, my heart? They asked me, how do you feel? I said, I feel great. I just, today, I was just deadlifting 405 and, and benching 315. I'm good. We want you to go to the heart center. We don't want you to go home. Do not go back to the office. Go directly to the heart center. So I said, okay, I enter in the heart center. The second I walk in there, they escort me like I was a movie star again. So what's going on here? They performed an emergency echocardiogram on me. And after the procedure, I was in the waiting room and enters Dr. Polina, my cardiologist. And he asks, do you mind if I sit down? I said, sure, doc, have a seat in my office. So he took a seat. Then the doctor proceeded to tell me, Derek, you need open heart surgery. I said, you're kidding, doc. Where are the cameras? He says, I am not kidding. He says, when do I need it? You need it yesterday. You have an aortic aneurysm that has dilated eight centimeters. You are dead man walking. I went back to Dr. K's office. And then going back to him, and when I walked in, Dr. K greeted me with a hug and says, don't worry, I got you. You are not dying on my watch. I will call my friend who's a top cardiologist surgeon in the world, Dr. Didier Lumet, and he will work on you. He will do me a favor. He called him that night, and although his schedule is booked out for months, he said he will see me. Dr. Dilly LeMay was going to perform the operation on me on April 28th. And in between that time, between April 10th and April 28th, my mind continued to play tricks on me. Now the day has come, my big day. I've never been in the hospital, never been sick. I'm waiting there patiently, not knowing what to expect. I have thoughts in my head racing around. Am I actually going to be here tomorrow? I'm future tripping, not knowing what to expect. I'm supposed to have surgery at 11 a.m. and it's now 3 p.m. The nurse comes in and says, it's your time. My heart sinks. She puts me in a wheelchair with my gown. 
and she wheels me towards the operating doors. As I saw the operating doors, I put my foot on the doors, and I said, ah, oh, hell no! I'm not going in. She then proceeded to fight back and forth, and you have to go in. I don't gotta do shit! I'm not going in! After she finally calmed me down, she allowed me to enter the doors. When I entered the doors, I saw the bright lights and teams and teams of people. I ran around that operating room like a raving lunatic, screaming, you people are going to kill me. The next day, I woke up, thanking God that I am actually still alive with all the tubes and everything in me. And with my mind still racing, but I made it. I am here. I survived. And with my leaving of the hospital, I was determined that I would continue to get back on my feet and be, another, and, be an athlete, and be an athlete again. And the doctors informed me that the reason why I'm still here today is because of my athletics, athleticism. And in continuing to train to become the best that I can possibly be, I ran into some complications today. Just recently, the doctors had to put a chip in my heart, above my heart and my chest, to monitor how I'm doing. They can track me now and track my heart, and I get calls from my nurse basically on a daily basis. And in doing so, I'm continually fighting depression now. I continue to fight anxiety. I don't know if my next step is going to be my last step or my next breath is going to be my last breath. My mind is playing tricks on me. I'm enslaved by my mind. I'm a slave to my company. I'm a slave to my shareholders. I'm a slave to my employees. I'm a slave to my customers. But I am free. Am I free? Thank you. Wow, what an incredible talk and what an incredible ending to that talk. Again, that was Derek Peterson with Am I Free? My mind is playing tricks on me. We wish Derek the best of luck with his health going forward and we're going to keep you posted. For more on Derek, please visit our website, speakevent.com and click on the people and speakers in order to read more about Derek and his bio. That does it for another episode of the Speak Podcast. This theme today, the comeback, incredible talks and we were so honored and inspired to have these speakers on our stage. Tune in next time for another episode of the show. We'll see you later, folks. The Speak Podcast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios, executive produced by Fred P. Banning, Jason Martin, and George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, Champions Day, is by Lupus Nocti. Incidental music, Melting Places, is by Andreas Kantu. Music and sound effects licensed through Epidemic Sound. The Speak podcast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow Speak at Speak underscore event on Twitter and at Speak event on all other social media platforms. Visit our website, speakevent.com, for upcoming events, channel partner, sponsorship, and speak at work opportunities. And follow all the great podcasts produced by Lunchpad 516 Studios.